Coming to theaters January 26th. Left Behind. Rise of the Antichrist. Was it the rapture? Yes. I saw it happen. After millions of people vanish and the world falls into chaos, a charismatic leader rises to become head of the United Nations. How do we know who we can trust? Trust God. Starring Kevin Sorbo, Neil McDonough, and Corbin Burnson. Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. This film is not rated but suitable for ages 13 and up in theaters for four days only beginning January 26th. Go to leftbehindmovie.com. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. And the big news day rolls on. I was at the gym this morning, actually, when my um, little news alert went off on my phone. And I looked down and saw that um, uh, Vladimir Putin had called a ceasefire in Ukraine. Now, that was the headline. Turns out it's not a permanent ceasefire. uh, But does it represent at least uh, something in the ongoing conflict uh, in Ukraine and where we are as the really harshest part of the winter is about to hit. Uh, joining us to discuss is our good friend, General Jack Keane. He is a retired four-star general, the chairman of the Institute for the Study of War and a Fox News senior strategic analyst. General, Happy New Year. First time we've had a chance to chat since the calendar rolled over. What does it mean? What do you make of it that he's calling this two-day ceasefire to observe uh, Orthodox Christmas? Too much of it. It's a tactic used by uh, Putin. He's done it a lot since 2014 in Ukraine and also uh, in Syria. He usually uses it uh, to reposition his forces and regroup with them. And the lengthy ceasefires that he's gone involved in, in other words, that they were thought to be permanent, he's always usually the first one to violate it. But this one is uh, around the holiday uh, more than anything else, it's temporary. Uh, and I don't think it indicates much of anything to come, uh, which would what people's expectations may be. I, I, I don't yeah. believe yeah. we're in for a permanent ceasefire. One of the primary reasons, Kevin, so our, our audience understands, it's literally not in the interest of the Ukrainians. I just spent a couple of hours yesterday with the Ukrainian ambassador to the United States uh, in the embassy with the, the defense attache. And they are absolutely adamant about retaking more territory and liberating their people from the suffering that they're undergoing under Russian occupation. And that's what they're about. They still believe they have capacity to do that and certainly want the help to do it. We're into January of 23. Uh, Putin's been at this a number of months. Uh, it has not gone, I don't think, the way he thought it was going to go or at least desired for it to go. Um, we're, we're about to enter a very cold, harsh period of weather uh, there. Um, what do you see happening in the first uh, part of this year in terms of where there is this a frozen conflict? Are they simply checkmated until warmer weather? What happens here? No, actually, the ground is freezing, so the mobility will, will be actually uh, quite good, although you know, obviously the weather will be cold, but the Ukrainians and are much more used to this, and so the, uh, the Russians are uh, as well, but the Ukrainians are, are very used to it. Um, and they'll be able to conduct uh, offensive operations here as the ground freezes, and we'll see some of that uh, take place. Uh, the, the Ukrainians are, are playing it pretty close to their chest, Kevin, um, in terms of what where they're going to launch the next counteroffensive it could be in the Luans portion of the Donbass region, which is in the east, or maybe in the Saporizhia Oblast, the head down towards a town called Melitopol, 
not to be confused with Mariupol, Poles, but they're both down near the Sea of Azul. And that would literally, if they did the second one, that would cut off uh, the Russians' uh, land bridge to Crimea, which is something they wanted strategically. So for a fact, the Ukrainians are planning an offensive, and the Russians are gathering forces uh, to do much of the same. But we at the Institute of the Study Award do not think the Russians are capable of really generating anything near a major offensive operation, even though they're advertising uh, the likelihood of doing something like that. They they just don't have, uh, while they have the force numbers, they don't have the force capability. Their performance has just been so adequate, inadequate, and it continues to be that way. Where does where does that come from, by the way? Because I know that when I was a kid and the Soviet Union still existed, there was great fear about the the ferociousness of the Soviet forces. Why why is the Russian will so pathetic uh, in this effort? It seems very almost apathetic in some ways. It's interesting that you brought up the past because we did make the Soviet Union uh, ten feet tall. And our intelligence services contributed to that, and so did the military services. I was in the Army uh, during all of that Cold War, most of it, and having come in in 66. And when the Soviet Union collapsed, and we really got to see the, the Soviet Union military up close, we had associations with them, uh, etc. during the 1990s, uh, they were nowhere near uh, what was advertised. We overestimated their capabilities then, and but we significantly overestimated their cap- capabilities now. I'll tell you something that we've discovered is that the level of corruption, uh, Kevin, is quite dramatic inside the defense establishment and the Russian hierarchy. Literally billions of dollars have been siphoned off that's supposed to go to adding capacity to the Russian military, have uh, been siphoned off by oligarchs, by generals, by bureaucrats. And this has been going on uh, for some time. And another thing we found out uh, is that when they produce a new product, like the S-400 air defense system that they have is one of the best in the world, Yeah, they sell it. Yeah. They sell it first before they field it to their troops because they want the money. And that's one of the reasons why we were saying, well, what? we didn't see the the numbers of equipment and the quality of the equipment that we know that they have. Um, so those are a couple of reasons, but there's deep-seated problems with leadership, proper training, discipline, and, and how to motivate and inspire a force uh, to do something as challenging as combat operations. They are just inept at doing something like that. Well, it seems to me, General, that if that is all true, um that Putin's really got himself into a mess here. And if the will by the Ukrainians is to eventually run them out, does that happen? Do the, do the Ukrainians retake all the territory? Do they, do they end 2023 kind of back in charge of their own land? Yeah, I mean, you put your finger on a major issue, and this is what I was dealing with in the embassy yesterday. I mean, I, the way I characterize how this administration is handling this, you're publicly supporting Ukraine, for sure. Commendable the amount of equipment that we have given them and what the other countries have, have given them as well. But I really believe what we're trying to do is make certain that Ukraine does not lose. But we're not willing to invest all out 
in helping them to win. And that is the point that you're getting at. We've got a Russian military here that's back on its heels, and it's not likely to change very much. And the Ukrainians truly have an opportunity to retake significant amount of territory. But we've got to give them what they want. And we're not doing that. They want tanks and armored vehicles. They want long-range missile systems that go beyond HIMARS, which we have. Right. They want sophisticated right. air drones that we have. Gray Eagle is one of them. There's a couple of others uh, that they want. And they would also like to have their pilots trained on F-16s, which are heading to the boneyard and are available, but we're reluctant to do that. If, they, if we gave them those kinds of uh, equipment densities, it would really give them an advantage in terms of going on the offensive and retaking the territory that they have. The quickest way to stop the suffering is not to protract the war into some no. kind of stalemate situation. Go win it. Yeah. Is go, yeah. Win it. go win the war. I hope you have a very uh, happy uh, 2023. Happy New Year. Thank you for being back with us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sure. Yeah, always good talking to you and your audience. Thank you. You got it. There he goes, General Jack Keane. Appreciate him uh, tremendously. All right, coming up next, uh, Kelsey Bowler, and a little bit later on, uh, Kevin Sorbo. Don't go away.